Book Three of the Yoga Sutras of Patanjali. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Kirk Ziegler. The Yoga Sutras of Patanjali, translated by Charles Johnson. Book Three, One through Twenty Eight. One. The binding of the perceiving consciousness to a certain region is attention. Dharana. Emerson quotes Sir Isaac Newton as saying that he made his great discoveries by intending his mind on them. That is what is meant here. I read the page of a book while thinking of something else. At the end of the page I have no idea what it is about, and read it again, still thinking of something else, with the same result. When I wake up, so to speak, make an effort of attention, fix my thought on what I am reading, and easily take in its meaning. The act of will, the effort of attention, the intending of the mind on each word and line of the page, just as the eyes are focused on each word and line, is the power here contemplated. It is the power to focus the consciousness on a given spot, and hold it there attention is the first and indispensable step in all knowledge. Attention to spiritual things is the first step to spiritual knowledge. 2. A prolonged holding of the perceiving consciousness in that region is meditation, tiana. This will apply equally to outer and inner things. I may for a moment fix my attention on some visible object, a single penetrating glance, or I may hold the attention fixedly on it until it reveals far more of its nature than a single glance could perceive. The first is the focusing of the searchlight of consciousness upon the object. The other is the holding of the white beam of light steadily and persistently on the object, until it yields up the secret of its details. So for things within, one may fix the inner glance for a moment on spiritual things, or one may hold the consciousness steadily upon them, until what was in the dark slowly comes forth into the light, and yields up its immortal secret. But this is possible only for the spiritual man after the commandments and the rules have been kept for until this is done the thronging storms of psychical thoughts dissipate and distract the attention so that it will not remain fixed on spiritual things the cares of this world the deceitfulness of riches choke the word of the spiritual message three when perceiving consciousness in this meditative is wholly given to illuminating the essential meaning of the object contemplated, and is freed from the sense of separateness and personality, this is contemplation, samadhi. Let us review the steps so far taken. First, the beam of perceiving consciousness is focused on a certain region or subject, through the effort of attention. Then this attending consciousness is held on its object. Third is the ardent will to know its meaning, to illumine it with comprehending thought. Fourth, all personal bias, all desire merely to endorse a previous opinion and so to prove oneself right, and all desire for personal profit or gratification must be quite put away. There must be a purely disinterested love of truth for its own sake. This is the perceiving consciousness made void, as it were, of all personality or sense of separateness. The personal limitation stands aside and lets the all-consciousness come to bear upon the problem. The oversoul bends its ray upon the object and illumines it with pure light. 4. 
when these three attention meditation contemplation are exercised at once this is perfectly concentrated meditation sanyama when the personal limitation of the perceiving consciousness stands aside and allows the all-conscious to come to bear upon the problem then arises that real knowledge which is called a flash of genius that real knowledge which makes discoveries and without which no discovery can be made however painstaking the effort for genius is the vision of the spiritual man and that vision is a question of growth rather than present effort though right effort rightly continued will in time infallibly lead to growth and vision through the power thus to set aside personal limitation to push aside petty concerns and cares and steady the whole nature and will in an ardent love of truth and desire to know it through the power thus to make way for the all-consciousness all great men make their discoveries newton watching the apple fall to the earth was able to look beyond to see the subtle waves of force pulsating through apples worlds and suns and galaxies and thus to perceive universal gravitation the oversoul looking through his eyes recognized the universal force one of its own children darwin watching the forms and motions of plants and animals let the same august consciousness come to bear on them and saw infinite growth perfected through ceaseless struggle he perceived the superb process of evolution the oversoul once more recognizing its own Fraunhofer, noting the dark lines in the band of sunlight in his spectroscope, divined their identity with the bright lines in the spectra of incandescent iron, sodium, and the rest, and so saw the oneness of substance in the worlds and suns, the unity of the materials of the universe. Once again the Oversoul, looking with his eyes, recognized its own. So it is with all true knowledge but the mind must transcend its limitations its idiosyncrasies there must be purity for to the pure in heart is the promise that they shall see god five by mastering this perfectly concentrated meditation there comes the illumination of perception the meaning of this is illustrated by what has been said before when the spiritual man is able to throw aside the trammels of emotional and mental limitation and to open his eyes he sees clearly he attains to illuminated perception a poet once said that occultism is the conscious cultivation of genius and it is certain that the awakened spiritual man attains to the perceptions of genius genius is the vision the power of the spiritual man whether its possessor recognizes this or not all true knowledge is of the spiritual man the greatest in all ages have recognized this and put their testimony on record the great in wisdom who have not consciously recognized it have ever been full of the spirit of reverence of selfless devotion to truth of humility as was darwin and reverence and humility are the unconscious recognition of the nearness of the spirit that divinity which broods over us a master or slave six this power is distributed in ascending degrees it is to be attained step by step it is a question not of miracle but of evolution of growth newton had to master the multiplication table then the four rules of arithmetic then the rudiments of algebra before he came to the binomial theorem at each point there was attention concentration insight 
until these were attained no progress to the next point was possible so with darwin he had to learn the form and use of leaf and flower of bone and muscle the characteristics of genera and species the distribution of plants and animals before he had in mind that nexus of knowledge on which the light of his great idea was at last able to shine so it is with all knowledge so it is with spiritual knowledge take the matter this way the first subject for the exercise of my spiritual insight is my day with its circumstances its hindrances its opportunities its duties i do what i can to solve it to fulfill its duties to learn its lessons i try to live my day with aspiration and faith that is the first step by doing this i gather a harvest for the evening i gain a deeper insight into life in virtue of which i begin the next day with a certain advantage a certain spiritual advance and attainment so with all successive days in faith and aspiration we pass from day to day in growing knowledge and power with never more than one day to solve at a time until all life becomes radiant and transparent seven this threefold power of attention meditation contemplation is more interior than the means of growth previously described very naturally so because the means of growth previously described were concerned with the extrication of the spiritual man from psychic bondage and veils while this threefold power is to be exercised by the spiritual man thus extricated and standing on his feet viewing life with open eyes eight but this triad is still exterior to the soul vision which is unconditioned free from the seed of mental analysis the reason is this the threefold power we have been considering the triad of attention contemplation meditation is so far as we have yet considered it the focusing of the beam of perceiving consciousness upon some form of manifesting being with the view of understanding it completely there is a higher stage where the beam of consciousness is turned back upon itself and the individual consciousness enters into and knows the all consciousness this is a being a being in immortality rather than knowing it is free from mental analysis or mental forms it is not an activity of the higher mind even the mind of the spiritual man it is an activity of the soul had newton risen to this higher stage he would have known not the laws of motion but that of high being from whose life comes eternal motion had darwin risen to this he would have seen the soul whose graduated thought and being all evolution expresses there are therefore these two perceptions that of living things and that of the life that of the soul's works and that of the soul itself nine one of the ascending degrees is the development of control first there is the overcoming of mind impress of excitation then comes the manifestation of the mind press of control then the perceiving consciousness follows after the moment of control this is the development of control the meaning seems to be this some object enters the field of observation and at first violently excites the mind stirring up curiosity fear wonder then the consciousness returns upon itself as it were and takes the perception firmly in hand steadying itself and viewing the matter calmly from above 
this steadying effort of the will upon the perceiving consciousness is control and immediately upon it follows perception understanding insight take a tried example supposing someone is walking in an indian forest a charging elephant suddenly appears the man is excited by astonishment and perhaps terror but he exercises an effort of will perceives the situation in its true bearings and recognizes that a certain thing must be done in this case probably that he must get out of the way as quickly as possible or a comet unheralded appears in the sky like a flaming sword the beholder is at first astonished perhaps terror-stricken but he takes himself in hand controls his thoughts views the apparition calmly and finally calculates its orbit and its relation to meteor showers these are extreme illustrations but with all knowledge the order of perception is the same first the excitation of the mind by the new object impressed on it then the control of the mind from within upon which follows the perception of the nature of the object where the eyes of the spiritual man are open this will be a true and penetrating spiritual perception in some such way do our living experience come to us first with a shock of pain then the soul steadies itself and controls the pain then the spirit perceives the lessons of the event and its bearing upon the progressive revelation of life ten through frequent repetition of this process the mind becomes habituated to it and there arises an equitable flow of perceiving consciousness control of the mind by the soul like control of the muscles by the mind comes by practice and constant voluntary repetition as an example of control of the muscles by the mind take the ceaseless practice by which a musician gains mastery over his instrument or a fencer gains skill with a rapier innumerable small efforts of attention will make a result which seems well nigh of miraculous which for the novice is really miraculous then consider that far more wonderful instrument the perceiving mind played on by that fine musician the soul here again innumerable small efforts of attention will accumulate into mastery and a mastery worth winning for a concrete example take the gradual conquest of each day and the effort to live that day for the soul to him that is faithful unto death the master gives the crown of life eleven the gradual conquest of the mind's tendency to flit from one object to another and the power of one-pointedness make the development of contemplation as an illustration of the mind's tendency to flit from one object to another take a small boy learning arithmetic he begins two ones are two three ones are three and then he thinks of three coins in his pocket which will purchase so much candy in the store down the street next to the toy shop where are baseballs marbles and so on then he comes back with a jerk two four ones are four so with us also we are seeking the meaning of our task but the mind takes advantage of a moment of slackened attention and flits off from one frivolous detail to another till we suddenly come back to consciousness after traversing leagues of space we must learn to conquer this and to go back within ourselves into the beam of perceiving consciousness itself which is a beam of the oversoul this is the true one-pointedness the bringing of our consciousness into a focus in the soul twelve 
when following this the controlled manifold tendency and the aroused one-pointedness are equally balanced of the perceiving consciousness is the development of one-pointedness this would seem to mean that the insight which is called one-pointedness has two sides equally balanced there is first the manifold aspect of any object the sum of all its characteristics and properties this must be held firmly in the mind then there is the perception of the object as a unity as a whole the perception of its essence first the details must be clearly perceived then the essence must be comprehended for the two processes are equally balanced the true one-pointedness is attained everything has these two sides the side of difference and the side of unity there is the individual and there is the genus the pole of matter and diversity and the pole of oneness and spirit to see the object truly we must see both thirteen through this the inherent character distinctive marks and conditions of being and powers according to their development are made clear by the power defined in the preceding sutra the inherent character distinctive marks and conditions of beings and powers are made clear for through this power as defined we get a twofold view of each object seeing at once all its individual characteristics and its essential character species and genus we see it in relation to itself and in relation to the eternal thus we see a rose as that particular flower with its color and scent its peculiar fold of each petal but we also see it in the species the family to which it belongs with its relation to all plants to all life to life itself so in any day we see the events and circumstances we also see it in the lesson set for the soul by the eternal fourteen every object has its characteristics which are already quiescent those which are active and those which are yet not definable every object has characteristics belonging to its past its present and its future in a fir tree for example there are stumps or scars of dead branches which once represented its foremost growth there are the branches with their needles spread out into the air there are the buds at the end of each branch and twig which carry the still closely packed needles which are the promise of the future in like manner the chrysalis has as its past the caterpillar as its future the butterfly the man has in his past the animal in his future the angel both are visible even now in his face so with all things for all things change and grow fifteen difference in stage is the cause of difference in development but this amplifies what has just been said the first stage is the sapling the caterpillar the animal the second stage is the growing tree the chrysalis the man the third is the splendid pine the butterfly the angel difference of stage is the cause of difference of development so it is among men and among the races of men sixteen through perfectly concentrated meditation on the three stages of development comes a knowledge of past and future we have taken our illustrations from natural science because since every true discovery in natural science is a divination of law and nature attained through a flash of genius such discoveries really represent acts of spiritual perception 
acts of perception by the spiritual man even though they are generally not so recognized so we may once more use the same illustration perfectly concentrated meditation perfect insight into the chrysalis reveals the caterpillar that has been the butterfly that it is destined to be he who knows the seed knows the seed pod or ear it has come from and the plant that is to come from it so in like manner he who really knows today and the heart of today knows its parent yesterday and its child tomorrow past present and future are all in the eternal he who dwells in the eternal knows all three seventeen the sound and the object and the thought called up by a word are confounded because they are all blurred together in the mind by perfectly concentrated meditation on the distinction between them there comes an understanding of the sounds uttered by all beings it must be remembered that we are speaking of perception by the spiritual man sound like every force is the expression of a power of the eternal infinite shades of this power are expressed in the infinitely varied tones of sound he who having entry into the consciousness of the eternal knows the essence of this power can divine the meaning of all sounds from the voice of the insect to the music of the spheres in a like manner he who has attained to spiritual vision can perceive the mind images in the thoughts of others with the shade of feeling which goes with them thus reading their thoughts as easily as he hears their words every one has the germ of this power since difference of tone will give widely differing meanings to the same words meanings which are intuitively perceived by every one eighteen when the mind impressions become visible there comes an understanding of previous births this is simple enough if we grasp the truth of rebirth the fine harvest of past experiences is drawn into the spiritual nature forming indeed the basis of its development when the consciousness has been raised to a point above these fine subjective impressions and can look down upon them from above this will in itself be a remembering of past births nineteen by perfectly concentrated meditation on mind images is gained the understanding of the thoughts of others here for those who can profit by it is the secret of thought reading take the simplest case of intentional thought transference it is the testimony of those who have done this that the perceiving mind must be stilled before the mind image projected by the other mind can be seen with it comes a sense of the feeling and temper of the other mind and so on in higher degrees twenty but since that on which the thought of the mind of another rests is not objective to the thought reader's consciousness he perceives the thought only and not also that on which the thought rests the meaning appears to be simple one may be able to perceive the thoughts of some one at a distance one cannot by that means alone also perceive the external surroundings of that person which arouse these thoughts twenty one by perfectly concentrated meditation on the form of the body by arresting the body's perceptibility and by inhibiting the eye's power of sight there comes the power to make the body invisible there are many instances of the exercise of this power by mesmerists hypnotists and the like and we may simply call it an instance of the power of suggestion 
Shankara tells us that by this power the popular magicians of the East perform their wonders, working on the mind images of others while remaining invisible themselves. It is all a question of being able to see and control the mind images. 22. The works which will fill out the lifespan may be either immediately or gradually operative. By perfectly concentrated meditation on these comes a knowledge of the time of the end, as also through signs. A garment which is wet, says the commentator, may be hung up to dry, and so dry rapidly, or it may be rolled in a ball and dry slowly. So a fire may blaze or smolder. Thus it is with karma, the works that fill out the lifespan. By an insight into the mental forms and forces which make up karma, there comes a knowledge of the rapidity or slowness of their development, and of the time when the debt will be paid. 23. By perfectly concentrated meditation on sympathy, compassion, and kindness, is gained the power of interior union with others. Unity is the reality, separateness the illusion. The nearer we come to reality, the nearer we come to unity of heart. Sympathy, compassion, kindness are modes of this unity of heart, whereby we rejoice with those who rejoice, and weep with those who weep. These things are learned by desiring to learn them. 24. By perfectly concentrated meditation on power, even such power as that of the elephant may be gained. This is a pretty image. Elephants possess not only force, but poise and fineness of control. They can lift a straw, a child, a tree, with perfectly judged control and effort. So the simile is a good one. By detachment, by withdrawing into the soul's reservoir of power, we can gain all these, force and fineness and poise, the ability to handle with equal mastery all things small and great, concrete and abstract alike. 25. By bending upon them the awakened inner light, there comes a knowledge of things subtle, or concealed, or obscure. As was said at the outset, each consciousness is related to all consciousness, and through it has a potential consciousness of all things, whether subtle, or concealed, or obscure. An understanding of this great truth will come with practice. As one of the wise has said, we have no conception of the power of meditation. 26. By perfectly concentrated meditation on the sun comes a knowledge of the worlds. This has several meanings. First, by a knowledge of the constitution of the sun, astronomers can understand the kindred nature of the stars, and it is said there is a finer astronomy, where the spiritual man is the astronomer. But the sun also means the soul and through knowledge of the soul comes a knowledge of the realms of life. 27. By perfectly concentrated meditation on the moon comes a knowledge of the lunar mansions. Here again are different meanings. The moon is, first, the companion planet, which each day passes backward through one mansion of the stars. By watching the moon, the boundaries of the mansion are learned, with their succession in the great time dial of the sky. But the moon also symbolizes the analytic mind, with its divided realms, and these too may be understood through perfectly concentrated meditation. 28. 
by perfectly concentrated meditation on the fixed pole star comes a knowledge of the motion of the stars addressing duty stern daughter of the voice of god woodsworth finally said thou cost preserve the stars from wrong and the most ancient heavens though thee are fresh and strong thus suggesting a profound relation between the moral powers and the powers that rule the worlds so in this sutra the fixed pole star is the eternal spirit about which all things move as well as the star toward which points the axis of the earth deep mysteries attend both and the veil of mystery is only to be raised by meditation by open-eyed vision of the awakened spiritual man end of book three one through twenty eight recording by kirk ziegler ogden utah voiceovers by kirk dot com